Praise the Lord. And I wish every man, every man here a happy Father's Day. First of all, I would like to reveal a secret. Just a short secret. You know, our pastor has been, a, <laughs> have been, have been, have been preaching for 30 years now. He has been, been a pastor for over 30 years now. But do you know, every morning, uh, every Sunday before he preaches, he will call the elders and the pastoral staff to his office to pray for him. So whenever he preaches, just know it comes directly from God. Pay attention to what he's saying. Because even though he knows how to preach, he got all the training about preaching, but still he needs God's help, God's support. So on that, on that note to myself, whenever he calls me and says, perhaps, or tell me to come and preach, or any time he gives me opportunity to come and preach, I always call Sister Brenda. I say, pray for me. I want God to guide me, to teach me, to show me, give me what to preach. I also tell my wife to pray for me. So do, you, do you know what that does to me is that since I have set both of them to be praying for me, then I will, I will feel very free, knowing that if it turns out good, if my preaching turns out good, I will thank God and also I will thank them. But if it didn't turn out good, I know who to blame. <laughs> I will blame Sister Brenda. I will blame my wife. So, start by reading from the Word of God. First of all, I want to pray and say, Lord, I pray that you guide me, even as I teach you a word this morning. Guide me, direct me. Let it not be my own word, but your own word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I would like to read from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not, de be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sweat, that shall he also reap. Galatians, also, I want to read from Galatians chapter 6, 9. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. We shall reap if we do not faint in due season. My wife likes to plant every year. During the planting time, he likes to plant seeds. And I've been watching her. It's I can't come to find out that any year he, she didn't plant, she wouldn't expect any harvest. Secondly, also, I discovered that the seed he sow is the very seed he, he will, she will reap. She had never sown tomatoes one time and then start reaping cranberry or pepper. She always reaped exactly what she sowed. The third thing also discovered is that not all the seeds he sow that we grow. He may plant about ten seeds, but maybe only seven of them will grow. So this speaks to me to let me know that sometimes not all the things we do we sow that people will come back or that we receive uh, the same harvest. So I have titled my message this morning: "The seed we sow is the seed we reap." So good seed is my advice to the, to the fathers today. I believe, just as Pastor Mike said, we, every man is a father in one way or another. It's either a spiritual father, especially those in the church. You are either a spiritual father or a, a biological father. So the best thing you can do for our, our men is to keep sowing good seed in the life of your children. 
Know what they are doing. See what they are doing in the internet, what they watch in the television. Spend time with them. Don't allow overtime or extra, or extra work to deprive you of that very of that time you have to spend with your children. Because you eventually reap what you sow. If you sow good seed, surely it will come back to you. One way you can sow seed, you don't only sow seed only to your own children, sow good seed even to the life of other children, Amen. members of the church. One way we can do that is supporting the, the, the new youth room, the construction of this room. Give generously to bless this youth room. By so doing, you are sowing into the life of all children in this church. So, and I know that surely God will reward you for doing that. So take it as a priority. Don't allow overtime, working overtime to, remember that devil himself work overtime. So we don't have to allow overtime to, preserve, to, preserve, to rub off of the chance of sowing good seeds in the life of our children. In, in, Africa, in Africa, there is a saying we say that it takes a village to raise a child. It does not mean that every man in the village or every father in the village will have to bring food to, to feed that child. No. It means that if you're a man in that village, if you are responsible to help any child in need in that village, to advise any child that is going astray in that village, to help the, even in Africa in those days, you can even discipline a child that is going the wrong way without but, not, but you can't do that now, especially here in America, for doing the right wrong thing. So that's, that's why they said it takes a village to raise a child. Sometimes when we sow good seeds, so when we sow good seeds, sometimes it's not being appreciated, just as I said before. Joseph in the Bible was a good man. He loved God. And God was blessing him, giving him good dreams. One day he took food to go and visit his brother because he loved his brother. He went to Iran to give food to, 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 uh, to, to, to the brothers in the field who were taking care of their father's sheep. But as soon as they, see, they saw him coming, he was there with a good intention, with good motive to help them. But as soon as they see him, they say, oh, here comes the dreamer. He dreamed the first one that we're all buying down for him. And again, before we know it, he went to dream another one. Now let's stop him before he dreams another one against us. Let us put a stop to that. But that did not prevent, uh, stop uh, Joseph from continuing to sell good seed. Even when he was in prison, he, so, he, he was selling good seed. Even when he was in his master's house, he was selling good seed. And that is why, eventually, he was promoted to a prime minister in Egypt. Thirdly, Amaya was an uh, Indian lady. He was invited by a Christian, a, a, a Christian lady to come to a crusade. And when he went to that crusade, because Amaya herself had a hunchback, so they took her, she went to that Christian crusade, even though he wasn't a Christian, but she just decided to wait, she just to go, go because when the Christian advised her, said, come, maybe they will pray for you, maybe you'll be, you'll be set free from your hunchback. But when you got there, actually they prayed for her, and then she recovered. She came home and said, oh, I will go to sow good seed. I'm going to tell my, my other Buddha, because she was a Buddha. I will go to tell other Buddha lady, uh, friends she has. This is what Christ has done for, for her, that they should 
turned to Christ. So when he, brought, when, they, when, they, when, they, when he got home, he called all his friends and said, look, this is the testimony, see? For these years, I've been, I've, been, I've been a Buddha, but Buddha did not do anything for me. But when I went to see, when I went to, to when I was invited to a Christian crusade, Jesus Christ healed my body. Now, you see, I don't have hand back any, anymore. Then one of his, one of our friends said, Amal, Amaya, it is better you remain a Buddha than being healed. Then Amaya said, no, you can have my hunchback. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to be a Buddha. I'm going to be a Christian. Church, George, uh, uh, the former prime minister of, uh, of Great Britain, uh, Winston Churchill, was invited to come and make a speech. He, was, he wanted to go and make a speech. He went to go to BBC to make a speech to the whole nation. You know, in those days, being a prime minister or being a president is like being a school principal. You don't have escort. You can just get up from your house and go to your office or go to anywhere you want to go. So he hired a taxi to take him down to the BBC house. The, man, the taxi man came. He didn't even know that he's the prime minister of, of Great Britain. He took him to the, to, the, to the building. When he got there, he told, the, he told the man, say, please, he gave the man, instead of giving him the normal shillings, the man charged, but he said to give the man five pounds. Telling the man, say, please, you can, can you wait for me? I have five, 40 minutes to wait. I have 40 minutes. I'll, I'll be in that building. I'll come back in 40 minutes' time. Can you wait for me? Just take five pounds. The man said, no, I cannot do that. He said, why? He said, because I have... I have to go home because I want to listen to an important speech. The Prime Minister of this, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, will be making a special speech today. So I can't be able to wait. I can't, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to go home. So, Torchy was impressed, even though the man didn't know that he's, he's the president. He's, uh, he's the Prime Minister. He's the one going to make the speech. He was impressed that this man, because of his speech, he forfeited the five dollar, five, uh, five pounds to go home to watch uh, uh, his speech. So he said to give him 20 pounds instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, five pounds he first wanted to give to him. So the man suddenly changed his mind and said, please, mister, you can say as much as you want. I'll be here all day waiting for you. He said, why? How come you were saying of going to, you were going home to watch the, Prime Minister's uh, speech, he said, I don't really care about that speech. I want to wait for you until you finish what you are doing. So please, don't give preference to other things. Take time to sow good seeds in the life of your children. Thank you. I want to thank Pastor for giving us this opportunity and realizing you are our spiritual father, I always, always listen keenly to what you say to us, whether in private or whether in church, 
it goes a long way. I want to thank you for that opportunity and for the words which you have imparted in all of us that are here today. I always look at it this way, Father's Day. Father's Day is a holy, holy day of honoring fatherhood and paternal bonds, as well as the influence of fathers in society. It is celebrated across the world with the objective of realizing and honoring the contribution of fathers in the family and the efforts of male parents of their children. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I always use the old King James Version. Paul encouraging Timothy to pass on what he has received from him to teach others. And as fathers, we want to be an example of living a God-fearing life. I know across the world today, there are many messages that goes around saying, I love you, Dad, you are the best. You are the best dad ever. You know, you've been there and all those things. We all receive those messages. But we say, why do we love our fathers? A father's love for his children teaches them to have self-confidence and to love themselves. A father will show affection at the right time. A father teaches his children to reach for their dreams. What is a father's love? Well, God gave us an example of the father's love. His love is sacrificial, forgiving, kind, faithful, and honest. And a good father will try to impart that to his children. And it's true. We see what the psalmist says in 103 verse 13. He says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That is having compassion when there is sorrow or when something is going on with your child. They become depressed. They need you. You are there. 2 Samuel 7 verse 14 and 15 say, The word of the Lord came to Nathan to tell David. In verse 14 he says, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But he says in 15, But my mercy shall not be depart away from him as I took it from Saul when I put away before thee. And Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, 
And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We shall continue to do our Father's love. Prominent parable in the, in the Bible. The parable of the prodigal son helps to illustrate the love of God to us who is our heavenly father. I will not read all, but I will read two selected verses. Luke 15, 11 to 32. I will just read verse 20 and 21. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 21 says, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm not more worthy to be called thy son. How much more God stretches his hand forward to receive us. As a father, do you want to tell me that you leave your children going astray without praying for them, without talking to them, without finding help to them, for them? No. So this is what the prodigal son is saying here. Coming home to the father and the father stretches his hand to receive. You know, I have an adopted son, so now I have four. I have four sons. You know, a call came to me and the mother of the son said, Brenard, my son said to me, he wants you to be his dad. Without hesitance, I said, oh, sure, I will. I will meet him. So I met him. And he said to me, Mr. Brenner, I want you to be my dad. You know, tears came down my eyes because eight years the father walked away since inception, never looked back. And there he is in school when, you know, his fellow are talking about my dad, my dad. You know how it is in school. And then he's looking forward, who will be my dad? So I didn't know the key or the interest of why he's saying this. So we talked. I took him in. The boys at home, you know, we, we all rally around. I mean, he's my son, helping him in school and everything. So one day, his mother called me, can you pick your son in school for me? I said, sure, I will. So I went there and I rang the bell and I told them I came to pick him up and they called in wherever they are waiting and they said, oh, your dad is here to pick you up. So he didn't realize I'm going to pick him up in school. But he was so excited telling his friends, oh, my dad is here. Come look at my dad. Come see my dad. And I see all these kids running. 
And I didn't realize why they are running. Ay, 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 ay. So I said, ay, ay, ay. so you know, it just into me. So when I, you know, drop him off, I call his mother and say, why are all these kids so excited about me? What's going on? And um, um, she told me because, you know, he told them that he has a dad. I mean, that's very touching. Lastly, can you put those flowers up for me, please? Yeah, this is my desk, so don't look at it, but it's the much. I just want you to focus on the flowers, the flowers. So, yellow flowers mean joy, happiness, and sometimes bond of friendship and all those things. This flower have a meaning behind it. And one o'clock in the morning, I was sleeping. And you know, we all have, um, you know, Dr. Kwame, know when you're on call, I'm on call 24-7. So we try to see how we can go to bed early so that when these calls come at night, we'll answer them and all the rest. So, but they haven't called me for a long time at work at night. So, I thank God for that. So, the call came in one o'clock. Around one o'clock, I was in deep sleep. So, you know, my phone is always on my side sleeping so I can hear when it rings. So, I pick it up without looking at it. Who is it? I pick it up. I thought it's work. I said, hello. Then the person on the other line is crying, crying, crying. Then you know you are sleeping, but you hear the cry. Then I say, oh, let me, who is it? You know, I try to figure out who this person is. Then I realize that this person is one of my former employees. So I said, yeah, what's wrong? How can I help you? So she said to me, Boss, because that's how she called me. She haven't, you know, she was working for me for a couple of years. She said, boss, I can't sleep. And I think I'm going to kill myself. Then I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, excuse me? And he said, I don't know, but something say to call you. Boss, I can't sleep. I, I said, okay, where are you at home? Is somebody by you? No. I said, okay, where is the nearest hospital? He said, oh, I can't go to the hospital. I said, why? So I started to talk to her. And... You know, first of all, you try to find out. I say, okay, do you have any, as we always do, trying to find out, do you have any means? Do, how do you want to do this thing? You know, we ask all the questions. He said, no, I don't have nothing. But he said, but I'm telling you, I can't sleep. I've not been sleeping for days and days and days. So I said, are you walking? She said, no, I'm not working. Are you in financial situation? He said, no, I have money that will take me a couple of months. So I'm trying to figure out what is this stressor that is causing this. So after talking to her, I said, well, I know you need to leave the house and get something to do. If it's part-time, 
get it. So you can mingle around fellow people that you can, at least the eight hours you can talk with somebody than being by yourself. I say, so that's one thing. Then you say, yeah, I mean, you know, there is a job that I, they, they offer me, but I didn't go. I say, well, tomorrow morning, call the boss, go there and get the job. That's the first thing. Secondly, wherever she lives out of state. So I have a, a, a pastor friend. I said, well, I'll give you the pastor number. I'll call him early in the morning. We can give you a help. I mean, you need that help. I said, I'm going to pray for you now. And I know God will give you a good sleep today. I don't know why you called me. But after two, year, two months, he will always call. I mean, I've been um, um, a mentor trying to teach and all those things. But, you know, sometimes they have some little attitude which they give to their fellow workers. So in my office, I preach, I teach, I do all kinds of things to get them to do the right thing. So she was a little challenged, but yet still she looked at me and she latched onto me because she knows there is something that I can help. But as I finish, the point I want to say is that she woke up in the, in the morning, I called to just make sure. After I prayed for her, I interceded a little, you know, before I went back to bed. I woke up, I interceded again, then I gave her a call. I said, how did you do? She said, I didn't sleep. I said, okay, so this is what we are going to do. Get so she told me that she had been talking to some, she's a Christian. I said, did you talk to your pastor? Well, I did. I said, well, get to your pastor. Did you talk? Well, I've been talking to some women in the church. They prayed for me and all the rest. But since things didn't work well. So to cut long story short, she went to the job. She got the job. And the day she should start the job, Listen to this now. She overslept and never go to the job. You see, God gave her a sound sleep and she slept and didn't show up for work. Then she called me and said, Bernard, boss, I didn't make it to work. I don't know if they will take me again. I said, of course, sure. I said, they will take you. Just call the boss and say exactly what I said to you. You have not been sleeping and you overslept. And the boss said, oh sure, don't worry about come to work. And she went to work. So, this flower came in Friday. So, I don't know who sent it. So, I decided, you know, I, 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 I read, you know, I took it read it, and these flowers came from her. And she said these words. It said, thank you. I need to put my glasses off. It said, thank you for being a good friend, a great former boss, and a wonderful father figure with so much spiritual advice to offer. But this part, I don't know. But he said, you are a wise man. Happy Father's Day. Amen. 
So friends, we don't know the lives we touched. So I gave her a call and I said, thank you for the flowers. And she said to me, thank you. Because of you, I'm alive today. And I said, give God the glory. Because it wasn't me. I don't know why you called me one o'clock in the morning. But I know the reason. Coming to find out that she lost her father when she was a little girl. And there was no father figure in our life. So this is what happens sometimes. When you meet someone, they latch on to you. It's for a reason. That they are looking for that support, that advice. And all of us, I thank Pastor for the advice he has given me. Through the years and others in the church, Pastor Kwame, all the elders, Brother Douglas, all the advice that I now pass on those advice to my children. And then they will pass it on and on. And that's what makes us a great father. Thank you to all the fathers. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would turn to John chapter 8, verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I wrestle with the title of this message, I guess, but after seeing so many different things come my direction, whether it be news, whether it be people talking, whatever, regret or redeem. We all have something that we regret from our past. And today's cancel culture seems to bring that to such a high point, it brings us to the point of destruction even at some point. But Jesus redeems those regrets. That's why he came. And I'm, I'm going to abbreviate some of this stuff, but I want to look at two characters in the Bible that reveal that scripture so powerfully because they all had regret. And it's just not two people. There were people before the first one and there were people after the second one. The first one is King David. It's about 1,000 B.C. David is considered by many as the greatest king of Israel. Every time God mentioned David, he said there's none like him. As a matter of fact, God even went a little further. Every time he compared him or he compared the person who took his place or the person who took the place after that place, he always said, but not like David, because he was a man after my own heart. Talk about being up there and no comparison. But David, and even though he had all those things, and even he had God's approval, he lived with regret. You know, the story of Bathsheba led to the story of Uriah, led to the people of Israel suffering needlessly because of his cover-up. It wasn't until he faced God or he encountered God when Nathan the prophet said, 
<laughs> you're the guy. The story that they use, you're the guy. And then he encountered the living God, and he was able to experience his release or redemption. And that's where we have Psalm 51. If you have never read it, you better pick it up and read it, because talk about a release and a redemption story. It goes like this. Have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Restore the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Then, and then only, will I be able to teach others your ways. Sometimes we have it backwards in the culture that we live. David, yes, he did suffer the consequences of his regrets, his bad decisions. But God's redemption set him free. Listen, if the son says you're free, then you're free indeed. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what the world says. Now, you say, that's David. That's a thousand plus years ago or whatever. Let's flip a thousand years, a thousand thirty-five years later, 35 AD, the apostle Paul. Paul, talk about greatest, is considered the greatest Christian in church history. Maybe even the greatest apostle, although he's, a, he's one born out of due time, he said. Perhaps the greatest. Out of the 27 New Testament books, he's responsible. He is attributed to 13, maybe even 14 of them. Now, if you do your math, that's about 50%. Talk about being up there. Okay? Yet, Paul experienced regret. Galatians 1, he, he lists his pedigree. He lists the things that haunted him. Listen, he was consenting to Stephen's death, the first martyr of the church in Acts chapter 7. He not only wreaked havoc in the church, but he persecuted the church. And listen, he had one aim only, and that aim was to destroy the church. He thought he was doing God a favor. It wasn't until his encounter with the living God on that Damascus road, I remember a uh, uh, preacher preaching a message called Hit beside, up, upside the head was a message of, of uh, Rod, um, Brownsville Revival. And God knocked him off his horse, figuratively speaking. And he encountered the living God. Listen, that he experienced redemption. His regret did not hold him. Yes, he held uh, uh, the regret in his body. He says, I bear these things. But he was redeemed. He was freed. Paul's redemption, listen, Paul went from the destroyer, I'm sorry, Saul, the destroyer, to Paul, the disciple. Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the defender. Saul, the self-righteous, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, he said. He became Paul, the humble apostle. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm going to let him know all the things he must suffer for me. You get that message, you may not want to respond. He went... The greatest that Saul could have accomplished, Paul accomplished greater through Christ. Talk about being freed. Paul may have carried the burden of his regrets from the past. I'm sure he had images of, of the clothes he was, that were being laid before his feet as Stephen was being stoned. I'm sure he had the images of people he had imprisoned and persecuted and put to death in his mind. But listen, God's redemption set him free. Our past does not have to keep us bound, living in regrets all our lives. Paul became what Saul 
could never become. In John chapter 8, I read you that verse just before that. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Listen, it is a truth that we have to hold on to, whether we're fathers, naturally speaking, fathers, spiritually speaking, Christians. In a day and age, it's the truth that we have to hold on to. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you look like it or not, whether others believe it or not, and there will be some doubters, there's nothing that anyone can do to cancel what God has done. David could have lived in his regret and his bad choices and never become what God wanted him to be. Paul or Saul could have lived like a Saul and had become a somebody in the hierarchy of the church, if you will, or the synagogue, but he would have never accomplished what God wanted him to be. They both experienced redemption. Listen, but they passed it on to others. Now we've experienced that redemption, and we need to pass it on to others. I think that Bernard mentioned it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, so they can in turn pass it on to others. Listen, what a redemption for the present. What a heritage for the future. That is what God has called us to as fathers, spiritual, natural, as believers in Christ, not to be canceled, but to become what God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Awesome. Amen. Let's all stand together. I'm going to ask all of the men to come forward. Uh, we do want to pray with you and pray together. Would you just move forward? Amen. You know, the three men that shared this morning, one characteristic of their life over the 30 years that they have been a part of this church is that they have been men of prayer. They have been at the prayer meetings, not just once in a while, but consistently and faithfully. And the reason why I say that, men, is because if we're going to become what God wants us to be, it's going to be because of prayer. Uh, the, the simple saying is prayer changes things, and the first thing it needs to change is us. Start with us. And so we present ourselves today, and uh, we do pray as a church for one another, and we do take this time seriously. We have a gift for you, but I just want to encourage you, be men who seek God. Be men of prayer. Become men of prayer. Um, I, I always try to live my life as a, a life of prayer, and sometimes I fall short, but you know what? I keep getting back up. I keep plugging in, and I want to just encourage you men. You might have fallen short. You might not have the greatest devotional or prayer life, but let's become men of prayer. Let's keep going at it. Let's keep pressing in to know God and to be known by him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for each and every man here this morning. God, I pray in agreement with them, God, that the Holy Spirit would do a fresh work of grace in each and every heart. Lord, just one word from you could just change things so dramatically and so powerfully. One touch of your Spirit can roll away the reproach of years, oh God. And God, I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that hope. I thank you for that prospect. I thank you for these men that are standing here today. 
God, you have a plan for their life. You have a purpose for their life. And God, I pray the Holy Spirit to help them to commit themselves to prayer, to be men of prayer, to be men of God. Lord, I pray you'd break off every yoke, break off every lie, break off every every bondage, every, every mindset that is limiting them and holding them back today. Father, set them free as the word of God says that you are able to do. Touch each and every one. We pray a blessing over every father who has biological children, every spiritual father who is ministering to other children and other men. Father God, bless them and keep them, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and amen. God bless you, men. Please stay around for a moment as we give gifts out to you. And happy Father's Day. Amen.